Welcome to the new healthcare economy where everyone wins for a change. Employers, consumers, primary care physicians, outcomes, shareholders, even our communities all win with costs dropping 20 to 60%. This unstoppable direct contracting movement bypasses the big middles with their crooked game boards, devious rule book, rigged dice, and purchased referees. I'm Rob Barshop, and I'm glad you're here. Well, who fixes healthcare? The answer is none of the polls, not even Elon, because it's fixed. Employer school cities, and for a blink, even two states, New Jersey and Montana, went direct. They cut out the middles, in part or wholeheartedly, because bigs are the enemy of better healthcare and lower costs, because they're parasitic. They feed off of volume, their chief nutrient. Despite all the hoo-ha about value-based care, it's a tiny fraction of the $4 trillion spend. It's mostly optics. DPC is true value, and it's the fix. And this fix is four-fifths complete if you're an employer. Direct primary care is well-fixed. The foundation it serves 25 million members today, and 90% of them work for Jumbos. The rest are independent consumers. Surgery centers are 640 that are independently owned, and another 60-plus have bundled transparent pricing, like today's guest. And imaging are 1,700 centers. 40 to 60% below Big's pricing. You can go to episode 31 and listen to Green Imaging's Kristen Diggerson talk about that. Wholesale distribution of meds at three pharmacies can mail you 90-day pills at pennies a pill. The average is four cents a pill at Scriptco with Zach Zeller and Sridhar Srinivasan, who has DIRX. And specialists are a little trickier. That's the fifth that's not completely filled out, but Dutch Rojas, who's been a frequent guest, has an app fixing that one vertical by vertical. You can weigh in Dutch and Zach and Kristen if you want to on this show. Uh, but uh, Dutch's company is called Nomi Health and Everyone Health, I believe, is the name of the app. So I'm fairly convinced that a messianic hope for a savior is wasted energy. It's fixed for 25 million of us. We all have a choice. Some of us opted out to opt in. In fact, all of us did. I do admire transparency warriors out there beating the pulpit. I admire anybody who's asking for change, but those that are hollering for change aren't going to get a good ear from the lapdog polls. They can't hear you because their ears are filled with money and the regulators either. The polls are 99% owned and bought for and paid for. And because no lobby is even close to these bigs, because it is by itself bigger than the next four lobbies combined in vertical until last year. No poll elected is ever going to buck these bigs and this lobbying money. My favorite quote uh, since we started this show comes from our guest today. And I asked him, will Congress or some leader, great leader, be the great white hope and fix this problem? And he said, don't expect the driver of the getaway car to solve the caper. Keith Smith is not only the founder of the Surgery Center of Oklahoma, but he also co-founded the Free Market Medical Association, which is a national organization serving in this model. Keith, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Ron. Great. Uh, any questions or comments before we get going? No, I think you've uh, lit the fuse. It sounds like a provocative visit. <laughs> yeah, well, 
Well, I'm uh, I'm excited to talk to you as always. You are really one of the original gangsters that started this whole movement. In 93, 94, you and DPC were both born and within 12 months of each other. And uh, I think that just so says it all right there 30 years ago. Yeah, it's hard to... Um... It's hard to think back. The, the Surgery Center of Oklahoma uh, is now in its 27th year. That seems like a long time ago in some ways. Um, when I look through the lens of all of the all of the battles uh, we've sustained, all of the arrows we've taken, but it seems like yesterday uh, when we look through the lens of you know, the changes that we have made um, here locally and for people who've traveled here and just saved countless sums. So it's it's invigorating and exhausting um, all at the same time. I cannot imagine a better place to get out of bed and come to work, though. Well, that was going to be my next question. What's the best part of your day? Yeah, I think I think the best part of the day is the regular realization of how much money people do not spend um, who come to our facility and others who've copied us to receive their care. It's sort of the, the Frederic Bastiat's what is not seen. And, you know, I think about what, what are people doing with the $25,000 that's still in their pocket um, even after they had their surgery here uh, for the decision of not going to one of these so-called not-for-profit hospitals. So, now, really, the best part of the day is to to think about all of the the money that is not spent and, and that was not unnecessarily spent on care uh, people receive. It's funny you said not for profit. Guy did a study and said the not for profit actual charity care when you take out all the accounting tricks is one percent, and the for profits is two percent. And we had an HDA executive on who basically he was retired, so he could say this. He said that we call them not for taxes. <laughs> that's I, that's what I call them. I call them uh, don't pay tax hospitals. So yeah. Same thing, yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk for a minute about how many bundled price transparent surgery centers are out there. I've heard from people I respect in the number over 60. Is that accurate? Because you would know. I think it is over 60. Um, when you define your terms, though, uh, that number can be much lower or much higher. Um, if it if you're referring to an outpatient surgery center that's actually posted prices online, the number is probably lower. If you include uh, facilities that will quote prices over the phone, that number is much much larger. Okay. If you if you include the number of hospitals that I'm now dealing with, I'm proud to say, through a sister company that I control called Atlas Billing Company, if you include all of them, they are truly still behind the curtain. They're still in the closet, uh, but the number then is in the hundreds. Well, something so, interesting is happening uh, with hospital prices in your hometown. You have the arthroscopic knee surgery cost in Oklahoma City is about the same as what y'all charge, but it didn't used to be. They were triple or quadruple years ago. And that was one of the goals uh, we had in sight when when I posted the prices in 2009 was, was to start a price war. Uh, we wanted these big box hospitals to explain to patients why uh, either they would not give a price at all when my facility uh, had them posted online or 
if they would give a price, uh, why did they need to charge 6x what or 10x what we were charging uh, in order to not make a profit? And, and the market did what the market does. The market is the cruelest disciplinarian out there. Um, and if you if you don't obey market signals, then you are crushed by it. And, and I don't think many of the hospitals realized they were actually in a competitive market economy until uh, many of them had lost a lot of business to facilities like mine. But once they did, uh, once they realized that their market share was going to shrink if they didn't um, if they didn't act in a similar way, uh, then they responded. And you know, one of the hospitals in town actually posted some cash prices uh, on a website for a short period of time that were shockingly familiar to me because they were exactly to the dollar what I had posted online. Wasn't um, there a California outfit that did this, like, you know, say UCLA or uh, we can name yes. names that actually copied and pasted your pricing? Well, they didn't copy my pricing. They copied my website. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And people, people all over the country have asked me, um, you know, can we copy your website? It's so cool. And I said, absolutely. Uh, but UCLA did not ask. Uh, yeah. And my web designers wanted me to sue them. And I said, no, let, then I won't be able to make fun of them because there will be some sort of <laughs> gag clause at the end of the suit. And I'd rather just make fun of them. So yeah, you look at, if you'll uh, internet search UCLA cash pricing, and on your second screen, if you have one, pull up my website, surgerycenterok.com. And it's strangely similar. In fact, the wording is exact. <laughs> well, uh, what, what do they say? No, uh, no greater honor than somebody copying you, right? I got a kick out of it. Um, I, so let's talk macro for a second, Keith. I, the free market is supposed to solve all problems, but yet not everybody in Oklahoma City is going to you when they could be saving significant money, get rid of complications and infection rates, get rid of readmissions. There's no question that you're a highly rated facility that center of excellence, whatever you want to call, you know, big corporate speak. But why isn't everybody in Oklahoma coming to you instead of going to the competition? I don't get it. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. I think um, one reason the self-funded uh, companies, particularly larger companies, don't necessarily patronize my facility is that for all their bitching and moaning, uh, medical services and what they pay for them is a rounding error. Uh, they yeah. really don't care. Once a, once a business gets to a certain size, I think a lot of them just don't care. I think there are a lot of them, too, who feel like um, they need that I used to call them bukas, but somebody the other day told me I need to call them Cuba uh, because it's the same four letters. So, yeah. so, you know, Cigna, United, Blue, and uh, they feel like they need that stamp on the forehead of their health plan or they won't be competitive in the labor market. You know, the it's interesting you said a rounding error, Keith, because like Walmart in 2019, when I first discovered you, what they saved a billion dollars by just going to centers of excellence for surgery and cancer. They did nothing else. And a billion dollars is not small change for anybody. They would have had to open, I calculated about 1,100 stores to get that to the, to the bottom line. I, interestingly, two years or a year ago, they announced they're giving a half a billion dollars a year of college tuition assistance to any employee of the company that qualifies. So they're using that money to keep and retain 
you know, high turnover workforce. Yeah, I and I and there are companies large uh, like Walmart that that actually do pay attention, uh, but I think there are a lot that don't. Yeah. And I and I think the third reason, and you and I would agree on this, is they've just simply turned it over to HR, and HR is either completely hoodwinked and roofied by the consultant and broker, or uh, they have a conflict of interest with the consultant and broker. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think there are a lot of things at work, um, but I think it's changing. And I think uh, Cynthia Fisher um, told me not long ago that she thought that um, the hyperinflationary times that were coming uh, were going to be good for the uh, free market industry in medical services because it was going to, it was going to push. Um, it was really going to tip the scales in favor of value, um, and the you know the old ways where you just continue to increase prices and and uh, and give false discounts. So those ways were going to go away, and I think we're seeing that. I'm actually optimistic. I think we have reason to be. Consolidated Appropriations Act is going to require brokers to define all of their little secret under the table hidden fees. I don't know if they're doing it, but I, I spoke just a few minutes ago with the former head of the Ashtabula School District, and he discovered that his broker was pocketing a $400,000 medical uh, or medicine rebate that was supposed to go into his school district. And mm -hmm. they were calling, you know, they just somewhere the 87 page agreement is hidden in there they got to keep the re the rebate and when he got mad by reading that because they're gonna have to fire people to make budget uh that's when he went direct so uh the, i thought caa was going to wake up every employer but it hasn't yeah i i i don't have any uh faith in the government getting involved as you know and making things better yeah um, they always screw things up um and they continue to i People ask me, well, what is good government policy? And I suggest it's uh, it's the repeal of prior government policy. Mm -hmm. They just uh, they seem to get in the way uh, and foul things up. And if if they'll just step back um, and not continue to auction off all the favors to the industry and the lobbyists in this industry, I think I think good times are ahead. Uh, yeah. And I think, and I don't say that 10, 20 years from now, I think we're right on the brink of really a uh, free market shakeup of this industry. I agree. Um, by my reckoning, since I've started doing this show five or six years ago, we're adding about one to 2 million members a, a year in direct primary care that didn't belong before. Nobody goes away. The renewal rate is 98, 99%. Um, my keep, question is, mind, keep in mind, Ron, that's happening in spite of government's attempts to stop yes, it. Not that's a just very good point. The, you know, at the federal level, uh, the IRS will not allow HSA money to be spent on direct primary care memberships. And at the state level, uh, direct primary care is under constant attacks being regulated as insurance. So, yes, the growth is a, in, uh, it's occurring in spite of the best efforts by the cartel to shut it down. And I think that's exciting. Definitionally, it's the opposite of insurance. It's precisely the opposite. Right. Okay. So let's talk about the macro again. Uh, it seems to me that that 2 million growth a, a year, that's not bad, but that's going to take 50 years to get everybody on board. What do we have a PR problem? I mean, do we have some kind of, if we got an article in the New York times or wild street journal or, 
you know, you know, the national press started talking up direct contractor in the free market. Do you think that we would finally get the attention we deserve? Is there, are we missing something in the PR angle? That's really interesting that you bring that up. That was the primary topic of discussion um, at upper levels at free market medical association. And we, we have decided to, to take that head on uh, first acknowledge that yes, we have a messaging and PR problem and, and second to do something about it. So watch for the free market medical association and the chapter leaders in almost 40 States to come out with a, a very coherent and clear um, optimistic, hopeful message for uh, everybody in the country to hear. And that that will be implemented this year. I uh, am finishing a journal, medical journal article with a professional writer to do exactly the same thing, Keith. I think the more that we appear, not only in the national press, but also the medical press to let the world know um, that here's what's going on. So it's going to be a data article. It's not in my opinion. I'm going to literally lay out Here's the national players. Here's how many members they all have. Here's how fast they're growing. Um, I've got all that data from my show. I I caution everyone to, to acknowledge, though, that this is not a revolution. This is not an attempt by a different group to take over the current system. I think I think um it's it is proper to look at the current system as uh unfixable. I think we look at this movement as a rebellion, yeah. and that that is an all that's a very important distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to force this down anyone's throat. It's just an alternative, and people are free to choose it or not, or they can stay um, in the old system if they like. But I I don't want any part of taking taking over the cesspool. Um, that Washington has created with the industry bigwigs. But what I really can get excited about is an alternative that obeys the discipline of the free market. Every other industry has to endure. And then then we don't have to get too worried about how big is it? How fast is it growing? It's going to grow because the bar is pretty low when you look at what we're competing with. Exactly. The NPS scores and the customer Google ratings are so dramatically, they're almost double that in the, even the best hospitals. So, And the other proof is that the doctors are having massive signing bonuses to join these corporate and retail entities. And when they come into the DPC universe, which is about 20,000 white coats right now, there's no signing bonus because they're escaping. That's right. And, and DPC is the cure for physician burnout in the primary care uh, world. And there are even some specialists um, who are entering the DPC sort of model, um, you know, specialties like rheumatology, endocrinology, neurology, where their practices typically are made up of repeat customers, just like primary care. Ironically, I interviewed a ortho and he is in the DPC world too, because he takes cash pay only and he, he actually makes more and works less with much less overhead. It's just him and his wife. And so he's a traveling doctor and, and uh, his, he is incredibly happy. Um, let's talk about burnout in surgery. I'm going to assume that as you made the statement, DPC is the cure. I think bundled surgery is going to be the cure for surgeons as well. 
I, I think it is. I think it's a part of the cure. I think that um, along with that, the physicians need to own and control the facility uh, where they work so they completely control uh, their environment. Um, I think it's one thing to have bundled pricing inflicted on doctors. It's another thing uh, to make physicians part of the process that actually creates the bundled price where everyone's um, interaction with the buyer is mutually beneficial. So I'm, I'm in agreement with you. There are 138 physicians on staff now at Surgery Center of Oklahoma. I can get whoever I want uh, because we, um, you know, the portion of our bundle reserved for the surgeon's fee is astonishing. It's more than they make doing anything else that they do and it's because we operate the facility on a razor thin margin. Mm -hmm. And that's why I tell people our, our models upside down where the hospitals try to make all they can um, and do so at the expense of the people actually doing the work. So um, I think you're right when, when physicians take control um, and they have to adhere to the discipline of the market, they'll find um, if they're not any good at what they do, they will be drummed out of the market. And if they are good at what they do, then they'll be rewarded for their decision to become a physician in the first place. Well, to reiterate your point, I had dinner with a Nigerian surgeon who does this particular type of body part. And for that, he was making $1,800 when the surgery cost is about 108 grand. Uh, $1,800. So he has to work pretty hard for the money, honey. Yeah, and... Back in the days when I still accepted money from the government, um, I stopped in 1993. Um, the last anesthesia service I provided for a Medicare beneficiary for a knee replacement was $78. Hmm. Um, and I, the last open heart surgery, I gave an anesthetic for six hours long. It was a very difficult case. I was paid $285 by uh, Medicare. Hmm. So the those kind of, those kind of signals are out there in the marketplace and physicians need to listen to them and they need to acknowledge what that means. That means someone actually believes that you will perform and continue to perform that service for that, for that pay. And, and I think doctors should do what I did. They should just send a rational signal back into the marketplace and, and quit. And, and not quit taking care of patients, just quit participating in the scam. Um, everything would change overnight. Let's talk about Free Market Medical Association. What are your initiatives besides this uh, working on the press side of the uh, ledger? You know, that's the main one is working on the press side of the ledger. Um, we, uh, we are gonna, we are gonna send out a loud and clear message um, the, the organization is celebrating its 10th uh, year. Our 10th annual meeting will be in Oklahoma City, April 10th through 12th. Um, it's it's a very exciting time. Jay Kempton and I, who co-founded the center, or the association, he and I cannot believe this association is still, um, is still around after 10 years, much less having grown into with 40 state chapters. Yeah. So- yeah, it's 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 to continue to um, to make sure that this 
ability to network, I hate that word, but to network amongst each other for everyone in a collegial way to represent a resource to every other member um, to drive home the true relationship between the buyer and the seller and how intermediaries should be present only to facilitate that exchange. And that is a, um, that's a refreshing, it's a hopeful, it's a good news message. And I think that's why we're successful. Um, are there any regulators trying to get in your way? I know in the beginning you had all kinds of headaches from the hospitals and the regulators. Do you still have headaches that are cropping up from time to time? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there are all sorts of cracks and crevices in uh, ERISA. And um, if, if they're, if the self-funded buyers are hamstrung uh, by uh, regulators or insurance commissioners, then of course that makes this movement much, much more difficult. Um, but again, every time, every time there has been an attempt to derail cheaper and better, um, the members of Free Market Medical Association have somehow seized upon that as an opportunity. Um, and it seems to backfire and it seems to slingshot us to yet another level. Um, it's it's almost like uh, all the pushback does is is fuel uh, the desire to um, to do something else because you know now now the people who are on the margin who think, well, you know maybe it could work, and then they know, oh my gosh, this is hopeless. We've got to do something else. So yeah, the regulators are out there. You know they're giving DPC a terrible time uh, in several states with regard to regulating them as insurance. Um, but you know the insurance uh, commissions in the United States, many of them work like the one does here in Oklahoma, where they don't receive a big appropriation from the legislature. They're funded by fees come from the big insurance companies, which means Blue United Sigma Aetna. It's, it's like the FDA. Now, the FDA is a horribly corrupt organization. It's because they're largely funded by the fees paid by Big Pharma. It's almost so, half, about 46%. Yeah, so I didn't know it was that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, you follow the money. We're always going to have trouble anytime there's an alternative, a rebellion, uh, where the status quo is challenged. There's going to be pushback. Um, but I think about Gandhi's quote, where, you know, at first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. And that's that's been exactly our experience. It's hmm. a good quote. Hey, Keith, a couple of stories I want to get out of you. One would be, have any employers come to you and said, we saved this much on surgery year over year? Yes, uh, we've had several employers who who keep very, very close tabs on those numbers. Uh, we have one uh, one employer. It's it's actually a, a county. It's not a municipality. It's a county, and they have 1,100 lives. Um, in the first year, their utilization went through the roof because they waived all deductible and co-pays, uh, but they still saved almost $4 million and the members uh, saved over a million dollars in out-of-pocket. Um, and, and it was remarkable because none of these employees uh, could be characterized as highly compensated. So their deductible and copay represented a true barrier to care for many of them. And we had patients uh, in December tell us here at Surgery Center of Oklahoma that 
you know, we were going to have to choose between, you know, our child having a tonsillectomy or having Christmas. And thanks to you and this program, we don't have to. We're going to get to have both. And and their utilization just shot through the roof because there was all this pent up demand, um, the copay and deductible representing a true barrier, a hurdle over which many of those patients couldn't jump. So you, you know what percent of Americans make under 20 an hour? No. 65 percent. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a big deal. It's a big deal for a self-funded employer to waive deductible and copay. Um, that's a, it's a big deal, and people are getting the care uh, that they need. My my friend Jay Kempton runs uh, the the Kempton Group uh, TPA, and his the average number of lives in his organization over that uh, over the ten years he and I've worked together, um, the average number of lives is about twenty three thousand, and they've saved one hundred and thirty five million dollars. Just the savings um, is astonishing, and the savings that employers realize in their health plan—it's uh, actually their employees' health plan—but the savings realized um, is is a part of the good news, and it's part of the nightmare uh, that the status quo does not want heard. Yes. Um, so, if you could be king for a day and. Suddenly, get the what does perfect press look like to free market medical? If you, I mean, would you have like a splash across all the national headlines, or what? What does your dream look like in terms of the national press picking up this story? Well, you know, the national press has been has been actually pretty courageous uh, in picking up this story. They don't they don't talk about it consistently, uh, but you know, Time Magazine. Uh, Lester Holt, NBC News, those those people have all been to Surgery Center of Oklahoma and have done major stories. Uh, and, and that's not, you know, we obviously we've had John Stossel and um, I've been on all the shows. So they've actually been pretty courageous um, talking about this, but just not consistently. I think what we are going to see and, and what's ideal is there are going to be stories and they're going to be personal stories. They're going to be individual patients who are, who are telling their story. Uh, we, I think we're going to have some Canadians um, who have patronized my facility and others in the United States that are price transparent, warning Americans, uh, you know, this is, this is bad. You know, when government completely takes over and you don't have an alternative uh, people that, you know, we're going to have to wait three to five years for a routine procedure they purchase for a reasonable price. And, and there will be there will be people who um, who will tell their story that, you know, this deductible and copay thing was a real hurdle. And part of the reason I love my job and will probably never leave my job and will tell everybody else I know there's not a better place to work is because my employer health plan provides this benefit. So I think a personal touch on the press, um, you know, those those stories that people tell are extremely powerful. And I think that's that's what I hope that we are able to generate and get out there. I've had seven employers on this show, CEOs, and they all laugh when I say, would you imagine going back to the old way again? They go, are you kidding me? No, well, why would I? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're Cheaper and better is hard to argue against, particularly when the employees 
are the primary beneficiaries of it in a self-funded plan. So a couple of final questions to, to honor your time, Keith. Roughly how many surgeries have been performed since 1994 when you started this? Well, we started in uh, 1997, actually okay. May, May 28th, 1997. And let me do some figuring. I would say in 26 years, I would say 100,000 ish. Nice. Ish. <laughs> and is that from all 50 states? Are you pulling from everywhere? It actually is. We had our first Hawaiian a couple of years ago. So now I can say all 50. Uh, we regularly see people from Alaska. Um, but yeah, all 50 states, many foreign countries. Yes. Um, and and every week, um, it's the people who, the, the patients who are here, are 40% of them are from outside of Oklahoma every week. So you said Alaska, we had the NUCA system on and they are doing a remarkable job in Alaska taking care of a widely dispersed Native American population and and their their care is just excellent, off the charts excellent. So uh yeah. Um okay, the the I guess the last question. Well, so Keith, you know this already, but if you could fly a banner overhead with one message for Americans, what would that message be? Uh don't trust the government. Um I I think that that's true in a financial sense. Um, it's true in a medical sense. I think we saw that during the disaster of uh, of COVID. Um, just, I would just say, don't don't trust the government. Uh, the government is not your friend. Uh, some just to keep it, people focused. And I've been criticized for uh, focusing too much on that, but I think it's important for people to know that as much as we bash. A big insurance, big hospital, big pharma, uh, and they all deserve the bashing they get. The real criminal, the real criminal um, in this in this mess that's called the U.S. health system is the federal government, um, because none of the shenanigans and scams and sporadic quality and high pricing would be possible were it not for the auction. Uh, that's conducted on a daily basis in Washington, D.C. So I and I say all that because the idea of turning everything over then to the arch villain is just not logical. Yeah, they're definitely owned. I think the last numbers I checked, the lobby, the health, the bigs all together, if you add them up and doctors are a tiny portion of this. So doctors are not doc, Dr. Evil, but um, I think it was six hundred and seventy million dark, sorry, billion, no, 670 million dark of, of FEC reported. And they say dark money is easily double that. So, um, you know, we're talking about a billion to a year, which is better than tech, defense, Wall Street, and um, oil combined. And, and that means that patient choice and patient freedom is for sale as far as all of those players are concerned. My uh, my friend Pera Byland, economist um, at Oklahoma State University, wrote a book on government regulations. And in the beginning, he said, let's call them what they are. They are regulations are choice restrictions. Yeah. And, I, you know, when we throw the, you know, the figures like that around, what what American people have to understand is their choices have just been sold. 
Those are choices they don't have anymore. These regulations are not meant to keep us all safe. Um, these regulations are meant to extract money uh, from the industry and uh, put it in the pockets of the regulators and the the criminals in politics. So th those are choices that have been lost uh, and that have basically been sold at auction. Uh, one last, last question. Were you surprised? So Katie Talento has been on the show several times and she can be given credit for getting three transparency executive orders through the Trump administration. Were you surprised that a president actually pulled that off? And then the I second actually, president, the follow-up president kept two or three of them. I, I actually was surprised. Uh, you know, I was at the signing of the first one. Um, and my friend Larry Van Horn, the economist from recently from Vanderbilt, I think he's left Vanderbilt. Larry was the guy with the bow tie on at the podium doing all the talking. Larry, Larry really created all that stuff. And he and I've had some spirited discussions about you know, what would happen downstream of that? And and I would argue it's mostly bad. But the one thing that's good about those executive orders, if particularly the one Trump signed, is that it's changed the narrative. I don't have a tinfoil hat on anymore when I talk about providing prices up front to patients so that they can shop. It's those who refuse to show prices who now have some explaining to do. You started the discussion at the cabinet level, well, not cabinet, the presidential, at the Oval Office level with Marty McCary's book, who had, had come out and pointed out all the issues with uh, hidden fees and non-transparency. So and when it when things weren't moving, she was the one making the call, knocking on the door, tapping on the window. Yeah, and, and Marty has been a warrior uh, in that sphere uh, and also a fearless warrior um willing to say a lot of things a lot of physicians were scared to say during covid yeah um, but, but the bad thing about uh biden's uh tweak on on the um executive order is that he increased the fees mm -hmm. i'm sorry the fines mm -hmm. and the problem with that is some of the smaller hospitals who've been victimized by the big city big boys those are fines they can't afford and so the result is a consolidation of the industry. But, mm. that, but that was the whole point of mm. increasing those fines. So once mm. again, government, you know, rides in on a wide horse, but they really don't. That They knew exactly what they were doing. They knew it would cause industry consolidation, and that's bad for everyone. Bad for everyone. Keith, thanks so much for your time. You've been uh, an inspiration to... Hundreds of thousands, I'm sure, but uh, I, I, you're a, no question a leader in the movement, and you're a thought leader in how we phrase the, the the language in this world. So thanks for everything you do. Thanks for having me, Ron. Thank you for listening. You want to shake things up? There's two things you can do for us. One, go to primarycarecures.com for show notes and links to our guests. And number two, help us spotlight what's working in primary care by listening on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and subscribing and leave us a review. It helps our megaphone more than you know. Until next episode.